Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the Wednesday night slate of college basketball DFS for Wednesday, February 22nd. Got ourselves a nice little 11-game slate on DraftKings as well as a four-game slate on FanDuel. Not going to lie, I don't get why FanDuel isn't doing bigger slates. I mean, they picked four solid games, right? But I don't get why if there's more games being played, they don't just include the rest of the games. But anyway, we got ourselves a nice little slate on both sites. So I'm going to be offering up picks and this preview for both sites. Now I am recording this late, late on a Tuesday night. So if this is like later than usual, or, you know, if you listen to it late at night, I do apologize. My high school basketball team that I coach had an away game tonight. Um, You know, we're from the Greensboro area, we'll call it. Um, and we had to play a team in Charlotte. It's about an hour and a half away. Um, and so we had a long road trip on the way back. Now we won, which was just absolutely an ecstatic feeling. Um, it was one of those, and this shows up all the time in college basketball. It was one of those where we were up late and it turned into an intentional foul, free throws, made shot, intentional foul, free throws, made shot type of game um, at the end in the last minute which is super nerve-wracking in college basketball, but it's even more nerve-wracking in high school where you have to trust your guys to inbound the ball, trust the referees to call the foul, trust your guys to not turn it over, and then he has to go down and knock down the free throws. So it's just a very nerve-wracking process, but it was thrilling. It was a lot of fun. And we've got another game coming up on Thursday. Um, Now, granted, this one's going to be a little bit closer to home, so I will be able to record the Friday college basketball preview kind of at the normal time on Thursday night. All right, so that does it for the introduction. We got ourselves a lot of games to pick from, and I had a lot of time to do my research on the bus ride back home. So I've got a lot of good plays coming your way, but first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. So on this slate, there are a few games that stand above the rest in terms of games to target. The first one is going to be the Wake Forest at NC State game. That one has the highest total of the night at 156.5, according to Vegas. Ken Palm has this one as NC State 82 to 75, which would be 157 points scored. So pretty close to what Vegas has got. Now, what's interesting about Wake is they have not played a game that scored under 140 total points this calendar year. So they just, they're such a good offensive team and such a mediocre defensive team that all their games tend to turn into run and gun shootouts which bodes very well for DFS purposes now if you need more evidence of that the last time the Wake and NC State played it was 79 to 77 NC State so with 156 points scored in that game so definitely a good spot to target for this one the next game that I would want to target on DraftKings, which is actually the leader of the four on FanDuel, is North Carolina at Notre Dame. That one has a total of 148.5. Ken Palm has that one as UNC 78-71, to pretty in line with Vegas's total. Now, Notre Dame, pretty much they're just not a good defensive basketball team. They rank 288th in the country in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. So I would definitely expect a big performance from Carolina in this one, especially coming off of that tough road loss at NC State, knowing that their NCAA turn lives are on the line. I see this as a big performance for the Tar Heels. Now, another game worth targeting is Alabama at South Carolina. That one has a total of 147.5. Now, there's some serious blowout risk in this one, though. Ken Palm has Alabama 83 to 63. Um, now, what's also interesting in this one is this line on the total in this game and in terms of Alabama's points they're giving up could drastically change with the news of Brandon Miller today. Um, 
just not a good look for the entire Alabama basketball program right now, and I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to try to forecast what's going to happen. That is not my job, um, but it's just not a good situation, not a good look. Um, and if something does change with that, then there's going to be some opportunities that are presented from a daily fantasy side. Now, one team is getting a major tempo up spot, and that is the Houston Cougars. Tulane is fourth in the nation in tempo, according to Ken Palm. Um, however, Houston's defense really did strap them up the last time these two teams played. It was 80 to 60 in favor of Houston. Um, so Houston scoring 80 isn't something that happens all the time, though. Tulane's pushing the tempo and generating more possessions is what allowed that to happen. And so you're going to hear me talk about a lot of Houston Cougars having a lot of potential in this game. All right, so that does it for the games that we want to target. Now let's talk about the guard position. So at the very top of the board is Bryce Hopkins of Providence. Now I'd say he's at the top of the board for the guard position, but he does have dual eligibility. He does um, get the guard and the forward spots on DraftKings, even though if we're being honest, he's pretty much a four man. So he's kind of just a forward. But anyway, um, he gets dual eligibility on DraftKings and he has been red hot lately. He has three straight games of 40 plus fantasy points. Now what's really interesting is listening to his shot attempts in those three games. In his last three games, he has taken 20, 21, and six shot attempts. Yes, that is right. He had 50 fantasy points in his last game against Villanova on six shot attempts. Because of all the peripheral stats, Bryce Hopkins gets his fantasy points in bunches very quickly, and he doesn't need shots to do it. And so I think that he just has an incredible ceiling. Um, dual eligibility gives him a lot of versatility in building your lineup. Really solid play as Providence takes on UConn. And in the previous matchup against UConn, he had 35.8 fantasy points, which is almost four times value, which is a return that we would kind of be okay with if we're being honest. So I definitely think Bryce Hopkins elite play for this Wednesday night slate. Now, Jalen Cook of Tulane is worth talking about because going up against Houston is definitely not the most optimal spot to play him. He had a huge game on Saturday, and he was in a lot of people's lineups and made a lot of people some money. Um, but I just don't think that this Houston game is the spot where you really want him. He had 30.8 fantasy points last time against Houston. And in my opinion, if he's not going to get injured or not going to see like serious foul trouble, that's like his floor. Like I, I kind of think that the only place to go from that performance is up. However, unless you're playing a GPP and just want a really low-owned play, I would probably tend to think that it's just not the best spot for Jalen Cook on Wednesday night. Now, Tyree Appleby of Wake Forest is getting a great game environment against NC State. We talked about the highest total game of the night, uh, but he didn't really take advantage of that opportunity the last time these two teams played. He had 28.5 fantasy points against NC State in their first matchup, and in that matchup, he only took 12 shots, which might sound like a lot, but it's actually the second lowest shot total in Appleby's last 11 games. He has such a big usage rate and such a big shot rate that 12 is considered very low for him. So I definitely think that there's a little bit more upside than that total for Appleby. Uh, and I definitely think that if you're game stacking this week, NC State game, he's definitely an option because of that elite level usage rate. Now, speaking of the Wake NC State game, of the two top NC State guards, Jarkel Joyner is objectively the better play. Uh, he's outscored Terquavion Smith in three straight games by an average of 18 points per game, which is quite significant. He also outscored Terquavion Smith the last time NC State played Wake Forest, 31 fantasy points to 21 fantasy points, so a difference of 10 in that one. So Joyner just absolutely makes more sense as the play, right? He's been getting better usage. He's been getting better fantasy point totals. Like, it just makes more sense, right? Now, here's my only concern with Joyner. 
Joyner's probably going to be the one guarding Tyree Appleby, which means that with Appleby's super high usage rate, there's probably a chance that Jarkel Joyner stumbles into a foul or two and finds himself in foul trouble. So what I would say, though, is Joyner's recent performances, I'm not concerned about the foul trouble. I, I still think he's an elite-level play. I don't think that Turquavion is as elite of a play um, as you know Jarkel Joyner, but I do think that... Um, Turquavian would definitely make for like a GPP ownership pivot. Less people are going to play Turquavian than are going to play Joiner. So if you're playing a GPP, you can gain yourself a little bit of ownership by pivoting to Turquavian Smith. Now, continuing to look down at the 8K range, Marcus Sasser of Houston had 41 fantasy points last time against Tulane. Like I said, tempo up spot for Houston. Definitely could see myself playing a lot of Houston Cougars in this matchup. The last guard that is 8K or above on DraftKings that, in my opinion, is worth mentioning is Caleb Love of the North Carolina Tar Heels. He has not really been lighting it up recently, but I think this is a really good get-back spot against Notre Dame. He, Caleb Love is still getting a lot of usage. He's still taking a lot of shots, and Notre Dame's just not very good defensively. They also give up a very high assist rate on their baskets, meaning that Caleb Love and RJ Davis are probably going to have a lot more opportunities to pick up assists than as usual in you know ACC-level competition. So this could be a boom spot for Caleb Love. Everything that I just said kind of applies for RJ Davis as well, but Love is getting a little bit more usage at the moment. I think Love is particularly a bargain on FanDuel where he is cheaper than RJ Davis by $800. Um, but I definitely think that Caleb Love intriguing play on both sides tomorrow night. Well, I say tomorrow night, but I mean Wednesday night. Now heading down to the 7K range, Kaysen Wallace of Kentucky merits mentioning on here as long as Xavier Wheeler and CJ Frederick are out, which all indication right now is that both of them are going to miss this game against Florida. In the four games that Wheeler and Frederick have missed, Kaysen Wallace is averaging 31.2 fantasy points, which is pretty good. Now, the last time Xavier Wheeler did play was against Florida. And in that game, Kaysen Wallace still had 33.8 fantasy points, which is actually more than he had when Wheeler's been missing. So if you think that Wheeler and Frederick being out increases the usage for Kaysen, which I do, then you got to figure that that 33.8 number is going to go up, right? Well, let me give you some evidence why that is accurate. Kaysen Wallace has a usage rate that is on average 20% this season, and his usage rate has been on average of 24% in the last four games. That's a 20% increase. So you're looking at a guy who performed well against Florida the first time, is seeing increased usage, and is still at a very affordable price. I think Kaysen Wallace is in an absolutely great spot. Now, Antonio Reeves of Kentucky has also seen increased usage in the last four games. And honestly, I keep playing him. I keep putting him in my lineups, and he just doesn't really do a whole lot with all that usage. It's kind of disappointing. Um, so I don't know if he's ever going to get there or if I'm just going to keep banging my head against a wall and keep trying to play him and keep banking on this usage that he will eventually break through. Um, I don't really know the answer to that one, but I do know I'm pretty likely to play Kaysen Wallace on this Wednesday night slate. Now, another guy in the 7K range that is interesting is Chase Hunter of Clemson. He is operating as the point guard against Syracuse's 2-3 zone defense. We talked about going up against Syracuse multiple times on the podcast before, but I can give you a recap. They give up a lot of assists. They give up a lot of three-pointers. They give up a lot of offensive rebounds. Chase Hunter can definitely fill in the assists and the three-pointers category for Clemson. For Houston, Jamal Shedd had a smooth 29.8 fantasy points last time against Tulane. And the two Butler guys in the 7K range, I like Jaden Taylor and Seamus Lukosius if Manny Bates is out uh, only because those two guys are going to pick up the slack on the rebounding and see a little more shot attempts as well. 
Now heading down to the 6K range, I've got a few more rapid fire plays. Matthew Morell of Ole Miss has seen incredibly high usage with Deshaun Ruff and sidelined. Michi Johnson Jr. of South Carolina has some upside in a big tempo up spot against Alabama. He's shown that he can perform well in all game flows, even if this one becomes a blowout. And then for Wisconsin, Chucky Hepburn and Connor Asijan could be in for a bounce back game in a big tempo up spot against Iowa. Neither of the two of them have really been super consistent lately, but they've both shown a high enough ceiling that if this game gets up and down, they could give you a good performance. And then lastly, Jack Clark is the great game environment play going up against Wake Forest. Now, my favorite play in the 6K range, though, is Houston's Tremont Mark. He had 32.3 fantasy points last time against Tulane, which was good for five times value as current salary. And like I said, I just see a lot of Houston Cougars having a lot of good performances in this game with that elite tempo and with you know Tulane really not being able to slow them down a whole lot. Now, last Saturday, we absolutely nailed the pick on Andre Jackson Jr. He had 36.5 fantasy points against Seton Hall. And... He is a guy that excels when he gets peripheral stats, right? He doesn't need scoring to have good fantasy performances. Well, this game against Providence does have the potential to get more up and down than the last game against Seton Hall did. However, Providence is a really good rebounding team, so maybe he might not quite have the same upside in terms of rebounding that he had last Saturday against Seton Hall. And my worry about Andre Jackson Jr. is that he does probably end up guarding Bryce Hopkins of Providence in this spot. And Andre Jackson Jr. is very likely to get in foul trouble. So um, I think that in terms of like the statistics, I think that he's probably a pretty solid play because of the ability to pick up the peripheral stats. But I just am really concerned about the guarding of Bryce Hopkins. And I think he's going to be the one that draws that assignment. So I don't necessarily think that that is like the optimal time to play Andre Jackson Jr. Now, heading down to the 5K range, Kyle Lofton of Florida immediately had incredible usage in Florida's last game against Arkansas with Colin Castleton out of the lineup. Kyle Lofton in that game got double-digit shots for the first time in 13 games. Uh, and so if that level of shots continues for Lofton, he's going to turn in good fantasy performances. He didn't really shoot the ball well against Arkansas, but I kind of think that he's due for some regression in that regard. Now, if you want to look at his previous performance against Kentucky, he had 19.3 fantasy points against Kentucky on only seven shots. So I really like his chances to perform well if he gets over 10 shots again. And for Auburn, KD Johnson is trying his best to be a high usage guard. He has seen his usage go up a little bit in recent weeks. And what I really like about KD Johnson in this spot, though, is that he has an opportunity for some steals. Mississippi is 309th in the nation in steal rate on offense. Translation, also that stat according to Ken Palm, translation is Mississippi allows a lot of steals. And KD Johnson is actually second on Auburn in terms of steal rate behind Wendell Green Jr. Uh, and we know that KD Johnson has a lot of upside because he's reached five times value in two of his last three games. So I think that those steals and those transition opportunities that are caused from those steals will allow KD Johnson to have another big game against Ole Miss. Now in the 4K range, J.J. Starling of Notre Dame is a really high upside play in my opinion. He doesn't really have a lot of recent form to go off of, but he is now Notre Dame's usage leader on the season. He doesn't play the most minutes, but when he comes in, he gets a lot of shots. If they get caught in a shootout game against North Carolina, I could very well see it being J.J. Starling leading the way for the Fighting Irish. Now in this Bama-South Carolina game that we mentioned could turn into a blowout, uh, Bama has their blowout kings, right? Because they end up with a lot of blowouts in SEC play. So you can break out Javon Quinterly and Rylan Griffin in the backcourt if you think that this game turns into a blowout. I actually really like Quinterly 
if there were any disciplinary action to come down for Brandon Miller, because Quinterly is a guy who can generate offense. He can generate his own shot. He can facilitate. He can do a lot for you offensively to pick up the slack if Brandon Miller is not playing. Now, speaking of that Bama-South Carolina game, last value play that I like for this slate is South Carolina's Jacoby Wright, who is currently filling in for an injured Chico Carter. And Jacoby Wright is averaging 22 fantasy points in his last four games, which is pretty doggone good. So that does it for the guard position here on this Wednesday night slate. Let's take a quick breather, and then let's break down the big fellas. So before we carry on with the regularly scheduled analysis of the forward position, I do want to talk about two absolutely chalky plays um, that are here on this Wednesday night slate. What I mean by when I say chalk is that they're going to be super high owned. People are going to flock to them just because they make too much sense as plays in DFS. And so you're going to see a high ownership rate, which you know we always don't want to see for GPPs. However, if you know they're too obvious of a play, sometimes eating the ownership is not a bad call. So Kind of like how it worked out on this Tuesday night slate with Nick Smith Jr. of Arkansas. He was very highly owned, but he turned in a six times value performance. So anyway, those two chalky plays. The first one is Nick Ungenda of DePaul. He's played two games so far this season. He's averaging 24 minutes and 32 fancy points in those two games. That's about 1.3 fancy points per minute, which is just an elite rate. And in those two games, he's taken 11 and nine shots. So he's consistently getting the ball. He's consistently getting usage so far this season. And he's only $6,200 on DraftKings just an absolute smash play and like I said just know if you click that button on agenda you're going to be having a lot of ownership on it the second one is Alex Smizik Smizik Smichek I'm going to go with Smizik Alex Smizik of Florida in the first game that Florida played without Colin Castleton Smizik put up 27 fantasy points in 20 minutes with a 22% usage rate which is pretty doggone good if we're being honest. And if that continues, he's going to be a lot more expensive than $4,000 on DraftKings. Now, there is one chalk buster that if you want to kind of be contrarian to everybody who plays Schmizik, you can go with Jason Jatobo of Florida, who kind of let us down on Saturday. He was one guy that I expected to have a big game because Coach Mike White had went out of his way to say that Jatobo was going to start at center. And Jatobo get, did get a lot of minutes. He had 5.5 fantasy points in 24 minutes played and still had a 15% usage rate. He just didn't really put the ball in the basket a whole lot. Now, physically, we got to think about with this game, Florida's playing Kentucky, and they got to deal with Oscar Shibway at the five position. And physically, Jatobo is a bigger guy. He's a bruiser. He weighs about 300 pounds, and he's a much better matchup physically for Oscar Shibway as opposed to Alex Schmizik. So I could actually see in this game Jatobo having a little bit of upside just to go down there and just bang on Sheboy all night. Um, however, the one thing that worries me with Jatobo is that he does commit 8.1 fouls per 40 minutes. So even if they want to play Jatobo more to combat Sheboy, how long can he actually stay on the floor? So I think that Schmizik will come in as chalk. Jatobo is a high-risk, high-reward leverage play off of that chalk. All right, now, your regularly scheduled programming. Let's talk about the high-dollar forwards. So the top of the board is Armando Baycott, who in my opinion is an absolute smash spot against Notre Dame. 
getting a great tempo matchup, team that does not crash the offensive boards, which means more defensive boards for Armando. And as this season has kind of gone south for Carolina, he has been more vocal. He has been a leader for this Carolina team. And I could see him just coming out and just, you know, putting his head down saying, give me the ball. And, you know, this team isn't losing and having a big performance on both ends of the basketball court. And I just, I think that this is an absolutely great spot for Armando Baycott. Oscar Shibley of Kentucky. If you look at his game log and you look at Ken Palm, which I have done, he really needs to be up against a poor rebounding team to hit his ceiling, right? He needs to be able to get offensive and defensive boards to give you big time returns in terms of fantasy points. And Florida, over the course of the season, has been a good rebounding team. He only had 27.8 fantasy points against Florida the first time these two teams played. But that was with Colin Castleton in the lineup. Colin Castleton is not in the lineup. So he's going to get some combination of Smizic and Jatobo defending him. And I don't think that he's going to come in super highly owned. So I think that this could actually be a pretty good spot for Shibley. He there, There's a potential that this turns into a ceiling game. I'm not going to say it's automatic. I'm not going to say it's like a great spot for him. But there's just a potential for upside there with Oscar Shibley. Now, one other guy that merits mentioning is Liam Robbins of Vanderbilt. His usage in the last five games has been absolutely insane. He's gotten at least 10 shots in all five of those games, and he's gotten at least 28% usage in all five of those games. In fact, he's been over 40% usage in two of those five games. And he's going up against an LSU team that is not great at defending the interior. This could be another ceiling game for Liam Robbins. And, you know, kind of thinking about ownership, thinking ahead, People don't really like clicking Vanderbilt players because they don't really watch a whole lot of Vanderbilt basketball. So I think you could actually see Liam Robbins kind of fly in under the radar and come in a little under-owned with that good matchup against LSU. Now, speaking of SEC bigs who are going up against weak interior defenses, Janai Broom of Auburn is getting to play Ole Miss, and he had 42.3 fancy points last time against them. Not a great rebounding team, not a great interior defending team. Good spot for Janai Broom. Now, Clemson, I mentioned earlier, is going up against Syracuse in their 2-3 zone. Given that they're going up against a zone, I think this is a better matchup for P.J. Hall than for Hunter Tyson. I just think more of what Hall does in terms of offensive rebounding and even three-point shooting are just kind of better suited to go up against Syracuse. And P.J. Hall's actually been better than Hunter Tyson over the course of the last three games. And so I think that if I were to play one of the two of them, it would be P.J. Hall over Hunter Tyson. Now, heading down to the 7K range, Gigi Jackson of South Carolina has some upside, in my opinion, in this up-tempo matchup against Alabama. And he, much like his teammate Michi Johnson, he's shown the ability to perform well in any game flow. Jamin Brakefield of Ole Miss is averaging 34 fantasy points in his last five, had 26 fantasy points last time against Auburn. Now, my favorite play in the 7K range, though, is DJ Burns of NC State, had 50.8 fantasy points last time against Wake Forest. And y'all, I'm not the only one saying this. I'm not going to claim that I am. But DJ Burns is just a fun guy to watch play basketball and a fun guy to root for. He plays with a smile on his face. He plays with so much confidence offensively. Um, he, he tries some shots that just don't really look good, but they go in. It's kind of incredible. And he's got super good touch around the rim and super good footwork for a big guy that he just, he has fun playing basketball and it's fun to watch him play basketball. Um, I have no problem playing DJ Burns on most slates, but this slate, I really want to get to him because he had 50.8 fantasy points last time against Wake Forest. We've talked about this Wake Forest team before. They are not good at all at defending the interior, and DJ Burns is a guy that can make them pay. 
Now heading down to the 6K range, probably my favorite play in this range is Leaky Black of North Carolina. Uh, much like Andre Jackson Jr. of Connecticut, he is a guy that excels in the peripheral stats rebounds, assists, and steals, and I think that Notre Dame is a good team to pick those up against. Notre Dame does not crash the offensive glass, so plenty of opportunities for Leakey to get rebounds, and Notre Dame will kind of push the tempo a little bit, so it'll give Leakey opportunities to get out in transition or to get back in transition and pick up quick rebounds, quick assists, quick steals, um, more possessions, more fantasy points for these guys that rely on the peripheral stats, so um, I actually think Leakey Black's in a really good spot. Now, in the 5K range, my favorite play is Bobby Clintman of Wake Forest, who like really came through for us on Saturday in our Saturday lineup. Uh, he had over four times value in three of his last five games, and he's had at least 22 minutes in each of those games. It's kind of been an abrupt turnaround to the season for Bobby Clintman. Um, it actually happened in the NC State game. Um, he had not been playing a whole lot at all. Didn't play very much in that game, but afterward, Coach T. Forbes is just like, you know what? Uh, Matthew Marsh ain't cutting it. I'm just going to go ahead and throw in Clintman and see what he can do. And Clintman has been rock solid since then. Now, granted, I don't think Clintman is like some elite defender down there. Like he's not going to come in and just block all of DJ Burns' shots. Um, but he has given Wake a little more of an interior presence on both sides of the ball. Uh, and I think that he is a guy that can have some success against DJ Burns. I still think DJ Burns is going to have some success against him. Now, heading down to the 4K range and below, the Bama guys become really interesting if Miller or Bediaco miss this game. Nick Pringle is turning into their blowout king at the forward position. He had 40 fantasy points in 21 minutes on Saturday. And then Noah Gurley is an option if you think this one turns into a blowout as well. Tyrell Ward of LSU had been doing really well, but kind of hit a bump in the road over the weekend. But I could see him getting a bump in minutes to match Vanderbilt's size. Vanderbilt is a very big team with Liam Robbins at the five. And so I could kind of see Tyrell Ward getting some minutes to, you know, to kind of match up with that size a little bit. He kind of plays more of the three and the four, but, you know, Vanderbilt kind of plays some bigger guys as well. They really go traditional two bigs a lot. So I could see this being a good Tyrell Ward day as opposed to the guards for LSU who are big values. All right, so that does it for the forward position, and that does it for this Wednesday night slate. So hopefully gave you guys plenty of guys that you can put into your lineups and have success here on this Wednesday night. If you want to see how I put my lineup together using all this information, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash MikeMoneyPicks. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sit questions, and I'm posting some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the show. Also, if you like what you hear on this podcast, please rate, subscribe, and review. We are starting to get on our way to being the most listened to college basketball daily fantasy podcast on earth, and I want to make sure that I make that title happen before the end of the season, and I can only do that with your help, so please rate, subscribe, and review. It really does help me out. I really do appreciate it. All right, that does it for the Wednesday night show, guys. I will be back on here recording tomorrow night and talk about Thursday night college basketball, and then on Thursday night talking about Friday night college basketball, and then I'll be back on Friday night to talk about Saturday's slate of college basketball. So we got college basketball content coming your way every day the rest of the week. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. That way you'll know when episodes drop. All right, thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time.